Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome in. Hour number two of In-Game Live right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Jared Smith. And what we do here every weekend is we get you a little bit of extra walk-around money. That's what we're trying to do with some leans. And we got some plays for you in this hour. We're going to talk about UFC. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL as well. In hour number one, Jared, we talked about, you know, some of these team sports coming back. And as I say, the devil is in the details. And so we started to go through these details. But what's intriguing is that this is ground that the UFC has already covered, right? Thinking about how to test their athletes, thinking about how to negotiate with local governments. The UFC is out in front, and it looks like, you know, Florida is going to be the place to be. Arizona, I think, is opening up for the sports world this yep. weekend as well. But just from a big picture standpoint, what do you think about the ability for UFC to put on fights? I mean, they had the UFC 249 on Saturday. They had a fight night on Wednesday. They're having another one tonight that we're going to get into. What do you think in terms of the context of what we're talking about, right? Coming back to normalcy, the health risk that's involved. How do you think Dana White and the UFC has handled this so far? Well, about as well as they could have. Circumstances, all things considered. Now, you have to keep in mind that there's no union in the UFC. It's Dana White, judge, jury, and executioner, right. whereas Major League Baseball has to go through these channels. The owners have to agree. Then the players have to agree. Collectively bargain situations. That's where we are with those leagues. So the UFC didn't – it's an iron fist in the UFC. So I, I understand that it's a little different, and it's not apples to apples. But I do commend UFC. Somebody had to go first. I think it makes sense that it was the UFC that went first. And what they did, especially with that fight last weekend in Jacksonville, the first fight, it showed that there can be a positive test. There was a positive right. test. They and the show went on. Souza, I believe. They removed yep. him from the Super atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, I forget his name. And, and they continued on with the fight. Now, 
That is important because that's going to happen at some point. We talked about it in the last segment. There's going to be a situation. Yeah, Jared, what if that was Tony Ferguson? It. What if that was Tony Ferguson? They've got to cancel UFC the fight. They have to cancel the fight. What Does else the card can they do? Go on, you think? Card goes on. Right. Everything else is the same. Right. If Tom Brady gets COVID week one, who, who's the backup for the Bucks? He's going to play. Next wow. man up. That's the mentality. Next man up. That's always the mentality in sports. That's going to be the mentality here. While it's unfortunate, nobody wants Patrick Mahomes to get COVID and have to miss two weeks of the season. Nobody wants that. But nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted a knee injury last year and him to miss half the year either. So, you know, I don't know, three games, whatever he missed. Nobody wanted that either. Those are unexpected things that happen. And, yes, it is an it is an overly it's a it's a more dangerous landscape than it was pre-covid now we have another thing that can bite up that could another you know variable. reach up and bite these players and cost the league's money and change the, the 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 you know the dynamic of the game or the matchup or the odds or whatever but as a gambler and as a sports fan what other choice do you have the the op, the other option is to run and hide underneath your bed until we find a vaccine well, that's to me, that's not an option. That That's not an option to me. And if people want to run and hide under their chairs or under their beds until we find a vaccine, that is their prerogative to do so. But if you ask me, say, for instance, we got the call right now. The NBA is back. MSG needs sports grid talent to go do the gambling segments right now for the Knicks games. I'm the first one on the train. I'll go do it. Right. I, I mean, and, and that's your own prerogative. Some people are well, like, no, I don't want to risk my, you know, risk my life getting on a subway. Hundreds of nurses, doctors, you know, post yeah, office workers, day. pharmacists, they do it every day and you do it as safely as possible and you try to combat the risks as much as possible. That's what the UFC did. They tried to make it as 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 safe as humanly possible and they moved on with their show. And again, Dana White didn't have the same obstacles to jump through on the labor side, but he had a lot of obstacles to jump through with the government, getting the states to open up and say, hey, you can have this event here. Sure. And that's something that we're going to have to deal with as well. So all of the teams, all of the leagues, all of the players, they're within their right to decide this is too safe. This is not safe enough. What can we go? But at the end of the day, the other option is running under your bed and hiding until we have a vaccine. And I don't believe that is an option in my eyes. So here's the question. I'm going to press you on this because I disagree with you. Your only option is not only to, you know, duck and hide. I understand that. Here's, I guess, a nuanced question for you. For the sports investor, given this, what I think another response is that's not just hiding and sleeping in bed is to just stay away from the futures market, Jared. You know, like the which futures is, which, market. Which is really hard for me to. For the NBA, tough. I understand, right? Like, oh, uh, maybe that's what I'm you like. I'm looking at with college. I, I, I put but, this tweet out the other day. I'm, 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 I'm done with the college football futures market until right. further notice. Too but much I'm, uncertainty. Instead of, right, that uncertainty. So maybe I just sit out that uncertainty and I ain't betting the NBA champion, right? Or I'm not betting the win total in football, but I can bet a specific NBA game because I know who's available at 655. That's a good point. And and I do think overall the futures market will be a little riskier. Right. But, but there's the odds might be, but you might get better payouts. That's usually right. how it works. More risk, more reward. If you want to get ahead of it and try to read That's the team. That's You're correct. That's the key. But I just do think the uncertainty of, like, James Harden getting COVID, right? We don't know, and that would suck, but we could still bet it game by game um, and not and reduce or mitigate some and of I'll, that. I'll throw this out there because I actually did make an NFL futures bet this week, uh, yesterday, and I'm getting there with the NFL. The, the, the individual players getting COVID, 
that I'm not, uh, to me, I'm not treating that as a deterrent from betting because I never treated a player getting hurt as a deterrent, like total deterrent. There might be some times where I thought a number was off and I think maybe it's an under because a guy could get hurt. He has a long history. If a guy is out for week five, then that can impact you for week five. Yes, yes, 100%. But the futures market in general, I I think there's still value there because I think you're still betting. The stock market is a six to nine month instrument. You are betting today on the stock market what you think is going to happen in nine months. If you go long on a stock, you're not – unless you're a day trader, unless you're you're Dave Portnoy, Davey Day Trader, you're not worried about what happens today or tomorrow. If you're betting the futures market, you're in it for the long game. I'm in it for the long game. There are certain markets now like college football because of the uncertainty with the schedule that I'm staying away from. But I am still treating the NFL futures market as open for business because it is, it has been, the entire league has been open for business yes. over the last two months. So I'm still operating under that under that assumption. College football, I agree with you. I think college football, you can't bet the futures market right now. It's just, there's just too many unknowns. Too many unknowns, how many games, where the games are, what the situation is. But the NFL futures market, I think there is still value there. I do. All right. Fair enough. Let me ask you this, though, going back to the UFC. One of the things we've seen in these cards, be it 249 or the fight night that happened on Wednesday. And as we know, we're going to start to see this. Hey, there was no fans in the building. Right, Jared? So do you think what was the impact of that? I have one thing that I know happened that I think is very interesting, but I want to hear from you first. What do you think? Did you miss the fans? Because, listen, when I'm watching a fight and someone lands a kick in my living room, ooh, you know, ah, whatever. And the fans are usually doing that as well, right? Does that have any impact on judges not hearing the oohs and ahs? Does that have any impact on the fighters themselves responding to the crowd? Did you miss the fact that there were no fans? No, I didn't. I honestly didn't miss it. I didn't notice it. I don't watch a lot of UFC fights, so I don't know what to grade it on. Right, but I didn't really, I didn't really miss it that much. I'm not gonna lie. Well, let me tell you, I really something. didn't. You know who and else? I, and I, the one Big East game we saw with no fans, right? Didn't miss that either. Mm. So I didn't even notice it. Well, here's who did: the fighters. Okay, check this that out. Is, and that's something to listen to if right. they're noticing. Now, I do the early line now with Kevin Walsh. He's in the fight game, and one of the points he made, and then it proved to be true. Like the fighters were saying it themselves. Okay, in an empty arena. You can hear everything, including Daniel Cormier on commentary. Okay, so check this out. There are multiple fighters who said they heard DC doing the play-by-play, doing the commentary, and being like, yo, he's got to shoot the left leg. He's got to go for this. And then the fighter did it, took DC's commentary almost like as another trainer, another cut man. And there's clips. Greg Hardy, for example, in UFC 249, literally came out and said he heard Greg Hardy giving advice. And then he did that and it helped him win the fight. So there's an empty arena and I know it as a heckler, right? I can go to Camden Yards and they'll hear me, right? Because it's an empty building. But the fighters literally heard some of the analysis, some of the instruction of DC on play-by-play. I think that's incredibly interesting that they not only heard him, but applied his advice successfully. I saw a guy on Wednesday's fight. uh, They said that he bulked up for his size and he's fighting at a bigger 135. And then right after he said it, you saw him do this. 
Mm-hmm. So they're clearly hearing what, like, right. they're obvious. And I don't think it's as, I don't think that matters as much unless the announcers are, like, as good as the trainers and well, giving advice. Daniel Cormier. Round. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, I mean, I, honestly. Like, if there's an empty baseball issue. stadium, right? If there's an empty baseball stadium and David Cohn well, is the announcer the and you talk. can hear him. The trash talking I heard in the KBO, they said to stop. Right. Because you could hear everything up on the mics. that, and also the uh, the dugout, the opposing but dugout, trash talk can hear, and strategy are two different things. But like I mean, if the, like, yeah, but like I mean the trash talk, like this guy can't hit a curveball, right? Like mm-hmm. if you say so that, the well then the guy on the other bench is gonna be like, I'm looking for curveballs, right? You know, so it, and that's so it, it changes the dynamic of the sport, and I think the UFC, I don't know enough about the mechanism of the UFC to know if they can change that. My guess is they could put these guys in a booth somewhere that's not near the fight. They could call the match. That doesn't matter. But I, I think in general, for baseball, this is a very interesting issue it because is. there's a lot of chatter in the dugout. Right. A lot of chatter in the dugout. No, he can't hit the slider. He can't hit yes, the slider. All that stuff. Right? All Bust that stuff. inside. And, Bust them inside. And the way, there's and a whole scream, you know, and baseball players are such creatures of habit. Like, I see the guys in the KBO. They're not supposed to be spitting, high-fiving. They're... I saw a walk off the other night. They're all hugging each other. They're all, they, you can't stop these guys from playing the game normally, spitting, high fiving, whatever. It, it's I, I think overall baseball, and again, I really hope we get through this labor thing because if we don't, it's a whole nother bag of worms. But if we do, with no fans, th- there's going to be some fundamental differences to the nuances of the game, the little things that we don't think about and how they adjudicate themselves throughout the course of a nine inning game. <laughs> are going to be different and it might take some time for not only the players, but also the gamblers betting on this to find those edges. Where are the edges? How do we adjust? Exactly. It is going to be a different year. It's going to be a different game and we're going to be here to see how to adjust. But while we're talking about the UFC, Jared, when we come back on the other side of the break in game live, we dig into tonight's fight night card and we see if we can make you a little bit of extra money. There's some stories to be told, including in the main event. All right, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get Yanni's, you know, some of his plays. He's been printing money for our Sports Grid viewers and listeners and fans. We'll continue to look at that when we come back on the other side of the break. We're here to give you a stimulus package on a Saturday. It's Dane and Jared giving you the edge. It is in-game live. We handicap fight night when we come back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? 
You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back here to In Game Live on Sports Grid. I'm Dane, he's Jared, and we're trying to make a little bit of extra money. And maybe you could do so by listening to Daniel Cormier. I don't know, maybe he's got a future. Kevin, I mean, Jared, you know what I mean? Like, as a gambler, he wants to no, pick these games now? As a trainer. As a oh, trainer. As a trainer. Well, even on commentary, I guess. But, you know, listen, I say the same thing that I would say to Cam Newton or Andrew Luck or even Rob Gronkowski. These guys that are walking away, albeit Grant, Gronk came back. But, like, why, Daniel? Why, DC? What are you going to put yourself through that if you have an opportunity elsewhere? It sounds like the advice he's given, people are listening to, and it's working. I know, and, and it worked for me, too, because Greg Hardy cashed a nice big one over the it's weekend true. from Yanni. So uh, whatever whatever Greg Hardy was was listening to. There you go. Thank Keep you, Greg. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get DC And that was kind of one of those random fights, too, where Greg just, you could just tell the athleticism yeah. on Greg Hardy. Oh, he was outclassing him. But yeah. then, you know, took it on home with some advice from Daniel Cormier. So I want to get into some of these fights on fight night. Tonight is happening. The first fight I want to talk about. Jared is actually one that'll technically happen Sunday morning. The main event 
of Overeem and Harris, but I know there's a kind of narrative here because am I right that it's Harris and his daughter is yes. missing? Is that the case? Walt Harris, and, and we don't know the exact situation, but we know that his daughter's missing, presumed dead. I want to say, wow. I want to say um, they actually did find the body. Wow. And she went missing last month at a gas station. They found the body on Monday, so this wow. week. And I think the overarching thing, and obviously we don't know the details of the crime, and, and, and I don't want to get into any of that, but the overall situation is he lost his daughter this week, and now he has to fight. Yeah. And I think it makes the entire— I've seen this go both ways, though, Jared. Right? We've seen them rally and have amazing— yes. Like, didn't Kemba Walker yes. go off, or Isaiah Thomas went off after his sister died? And we've seen plenty of examples like that. Brett Favre for his father. But so, the line, but, but what Yanni said, and again, I'm just regurgitating the info that Yanni gave us this week. So I don't—you I, know me. I'm not a UFC capper, but yeah. I do know how to click submit when someone gives me sharp info. And and I'm, I'm I'm great at that. So keep giving me info. I'll keep clicking submit on my bets. Uh, so Harris right now is a pretty heavy favorite, and minus and it, yeah, uh, minus one sixty two, a fairly decently sized favorite right now. And what we're hearing from Yanni is the public sentiment of that is overtaking what the true implied odds are of Harris winning this match. So minus one sixty two. Uh, if if I put that into my handy dandy gambling calculator here. Uh, minus 162 would be a, let's take a look, give me one second. It would be a 61% implied odds that you're winning that, that you're winning right. that fight. And, and what Yanni's telling us is that that's not the case, is that there's not a 61% edge on Harris to win this fight. So by right. default, the value is on the other side. And Overeem, uh, you can find him right around plus 140 in the marketplace. Yep. That's what I'm looking for right now. This isn't one of his stronger plays of the night. He gave us okay. some picks where he's really honing in on some guys. This was more of a fade the public type of play. Right. But if you like that mentality, and nobody wants to bet against the guy who just lost his daughter, but you bet where the money is. And the money says Harris is overvalued because there has been a lot of sentiment on his side. Right. The, the public is – yeah, exactly. So – if you want to take emotion out of it, you bet Overeem here, and you just you, you know you you hope you're right. If if you want to side with the public and you want to kind of flow in the direction of empathy and sympathy for Walt Harris, money has no empathy though. I'm going where the money is. Uh, to me, Overeem, if you're telling me that he shouldn't be the underdog in this match and that it's more of a split fight, well then yeah, you're getting value plus 140. So I'm gonna go with Overeem here. All right, fair enough. It seems like out of those picks that I know we have from Yanni the Greek, it seems like this may be the only one that is in plus money, though. Correct. It seems like we're leaning most of the slight favorites for the rest of the card. You said this wasn't his most um, solid play. No, you know, he has was the one really strong plays. So he what was one on the really card? that he feels like the strongest about. Let's give that one out. We don't use the term lock here, but one that yeah. we're comfortable clicking submit on. Let's go to the heavyweight bout. Let's go to Rodrigo Nascimento against yeah. Dante Mays. Yep. Right now, from what I see, you can get Mays right around minus 120. Yeah, right around about 20, 25 cents of juice. Mm -hmm. And according to Yanni, he's got this fight booked up to Mays as a minus 150 favorite. Oh, so wow. you're getting about 20, 25 cents of value there with Mays. Uh, and again, I'm not going to get into the, you know, the actual, you know, breakdowns of this because nobody knows it like him. So if you want to hear his actual analysis and breakdown of each fight, go to the YouTube page, SportsGrid YouTube page. We posted the interview with Yanni from from Friday. He goes through all these fights and he gives you the reason why and where the money's on. And the, 
I'm just telling you, May's up to minus 150. That's what he gave us. Right now, you can find it about minus 120 in the marketplace. So you've still got about 30 cents of wiggle room there. And, and that's a pretty that's a pretty big, a big, nice chunk of value. Absolutely. And listen, when we just talk about numbers, right, Jared? It reminds me of, you know, we say we see a team's win total. And then we go the game by game. And if their win total was eight and a half, but you got them going... 11 and five, then wait a second. There's a big enough gap of what you think will happen and what the number is to do it. In this case, Yanni's saying he likes Mays up to 150. If you still see it at minus 120, minus 125, that's enough wiggle room to have value for you and ultimately click submit in the heavyweight fight. What's another fight that Yanni was on? Uh, Anthony Hernandez right. against Kevin Holland. Yeah, he likes Hernandez. Yeah, right? a coin toss fight. He thinks Hernandez, who's a little bit better at landing strikes from what he said, up to minus 140 is the bet for him there. And this was an interesting handicap for Yanni. He kind of gave us an overarching theme that the judges seem – there's a lot of decisions, a lot more decisions than we normally see in the UFC through these first few matches. And normally what we're seeing is the decisions go towards the team or the, the fighters that are able to land more strikes. And it's okay. a little more of a technical – situation than it normally is whereas player or as fighters would kind of be able to grapple and wrestle their way to victory it's a little more boxing than mma i guess and and i guess he thinks hernandez is a little bit better of a fighter his the amount of strikes that he gets yeah is 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 kind of a better situation for hernandez again you can find hernandez as a slight favorite in the marketplace right now yanni likes him up to minus 140 uh anthony hernandez and kevin holland i believe it's a middleweight belt there's value right now in FanDuel. They're hanging basically minus 110 on both sides, all right, as a coin flip. So if you like Hernandez up to 140, again, there's 30 cents of wiggle room right in there. And Jared says it all the time. You're just trying to get value from the opening line to the closing line. And this is a chance to do so with Anthony Hernandez as per our man, Yanni the Greek, who I believe is 9-1 and one in UFC plays he's that he's been it. giving out. On Sports Grid, at least recently. There's two more fights that I know he may have a lean on. The next one is Song Yadong and Marlon Vera, correct? Yes. And and that's another, this is another one of these. I believe it's a welterweight fight. It's a lighter weight fight. These guys are checking in right around 135 pounds. Okay. And Yanni's been all over Song Yadong. That's been his guy. And right now, if I'm looking on FanDuel, Yadong is minus 178. Yep. Uh, and you can get him up to minus 200. That's where Yanni likes this price at. Yanni thinks that Yadong is the significant favorite here. And he really thinks this is one of his guys. This is a guy okay. that he said that he's been on since almost day one of capping UFC over the last few months. So he really likes Yadong a lot. Up to minus 200. That's about a 67% implied yep. odds of the situation. That's exactly so. What it is. Yeah, so I really think that's a good spot to be in if you can get him anywhere under minus 180. It's a really good spot to be in. That's a big difference. About a 10% gap there, uh, and 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 I think that's a really good spot to be in if you can book those odds right now at minus 180. Uh, and again, I'm just telling Yanni here. This is I, I don't have I don't have the insight. Don't I don't have the knowledge, but I do I have like his pick. Forcing yourself from the accountability of these plays. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny. Dad, I, I gotta tell you, you, know, I'm I gotta tell you honestly, when we're in a fantasy football season, this happens all the time. People will ask me, oh, do I sit this player? Do I start this player? Do I make this trade? Do I make this waiver claim? And they just follow whatever I say. Why? Exactly. So that they're not accountable to what exactly. happens. And they can be like, oh, you told me to do this. And I'm like, yo, use your independent you thought. Use your free will. 
right? <laughs> and, and decide if you ultimately want to do that or not. So I can empathize about you not wanting any hate. Don't at Jared Smith after this. It's Yanni the Greek that we're talking about. But you can see all of his analysis on the morning after right here on SportsGrid as well. There's one other fight that I think we were talking about. This time, another favorite in the 155-160 range, right, Jared? Yeah, uh, Eric Anders, Anders, and and Christoph Jotko. Okay. Uh, I, and again, if we look at this fight right now, minus 156 on FanDuel. Yanni's got Jotko mm-hmm. up to minus 160. So it's getting to that threshold. If you want Jotko, uh, maybe get on it sooner rather than later. Again, I, I have no indication of where these odds will move to. And I think that was another point Yanni made was that the that's why he says he public- it up to whatever, right? Exactly. And, and, that, and that's, that's the mark of a gamble. That is the mark of a true professional gambler. If this odds is minus 160 and he or it's minus 156 and he says I have value up to minus 160. Right. Well, once it gets to minus 161, he's nope. not betting it. And and that and that is the mark of a disciplined Discipline professional gambler. Numbers. He doesn't he wants to bet when he has an edge. And that's when right. the when the line moves past a certain point, he doesn't feel he has an edge anymore, and that's why he doesn't bet it. So it's an interesting way to kind of handicap each fight. You pick that arbitrary number. He handicaps each fight up with implied odds. He has his own model, his own system. Most professionals do. And once it gets past that point, he doesn't bet it. That's how you stay disciplined. That's how so you that's have bankable management. So wait a second then, Jared. It's not arbitrary. You said he's got an arbitrary number. It's not arbitrary. It's yeah, a it's not arbitrary. Correct. Yeah, area, yeah you're right. Right? It's, it's value until this. We talk about implied odds a lot on this show, right? And just to keep it easy and simple, when you were talking about plus 200 or minus 200, right? That's out of three. So the answer is 33% or 66.6666%, right? At plus 200, that's two to one odds. That's something you think has a 33% chance of happening. Minus 200 gets you on the other side. 66, you know, bar repeating if you went to middle school math, right? And so as soon as your projections give him a lower chance to win, it's not worth it any more okay this is about numbers not about emotion not about oh there's something on tonight i want to have skin in the game this is about when it's the okay numbers to bet that up. way though that's the part that's it's okay to bet that way but don't expect to win long term well you know it, that you know that it, we're talking okay. about investing here we're talking yes, about sports exactly investing and, and, and you and i your look at this very differently than a lot of other novice gamblers do there's <laughs> novice gamblers out there that want to get to that point but they don't know how. Well, you know how by you listen to us. But then there's other people out there that you're right. Sometimes, just like your your fantasy people, they just they just want to to do it. You know, they just want to well, go through the motions. Right. So it, it's okay to just bet a fight for the sake of betting it. But bankroll management, Absolutely. allocate. If you really want to be, if you really want to do this long term, and you want to see your bankroll grow long term and not shrink, and you don't want to have to keep you know going to the wallet to whip out the credit card every week. Bankroll management and don't mm-hmm. bet numbers, don't chase numbers. That's you know, and that's what Yanni came on the show and preached, and that's what I always preach, and that's what you preach, and that's the winning. That's how that's you can do it in the sports investment world. By the way, if we put all five of those picks that Yanni played together, I can get it at plus two thousand and thirty-eight for I think a it's five, worth five, five I'm just saying. When we I come back, though, we look at the NFL, we look at football, and see what leans we have there. Come on back. It's in game live right here on Sportsbook. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back into In Game Live here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Jared Smith, and we're talking about making you money, whether it's in the NBA, thinking about who stands to benefit, 
or get banged for some of the constructs of their return to play. Same in Major League Baseball. We just talked about UFC Fight Night, and onward we go because you know the sport that reigns supreme. It is the NFL, and they kind of get the luxury of you know conducting league business, having the draft, releasing the schedule. And Jared, before we get into that, I actually think the NFL has it lucky because – they can have tough talk. They can have a schedule that looks like they don't have to compromise anything. Because guess what? Before yeah. that happened, right, in August, they're going to be able to follow the blueprint. You know, Bundesliga is playing already. Major yeah. League Baseball is playing already. The NBA will have maybe crowned the champion already, right? So they're not going to have to be first. They're not going to catch the blowback, right? They will have all the lessons learned. They're going to know... Can we handle fans in the stands or not? They're going to know, do we have to temperature check the players or not? They're going to know what kind of deals under the table have to be made with the networks or not. They're going to be, they're going to know what government officials are saying already. They're going to be able to read the tea leaves, follow the blueprint of these other major sports. So once again, they get to kind of conduct league business, have all the eyes to the set for the draft, for the schedule release. And still, they're never going to have to take the risk of going first and setting the precedent. I've always said – I said this for weeks now. The Major League Baseball uh, got the short end of the timing, and I think the NFL got the, the, the long end of it. Yeah, they, they definitely – you know, whereas basketball and hockey are kind of caught in between, and that's why I think we're not hearing definitive plans on those right. where we are hearing definitive plans for Major League Baseball because they have an entire season to reshape, whereas the NBA just has to kind of – tweak a few things to get something done. Major League Baseball has a really tough road, and the NFL on the other side, there's a chance that the NFL gets affected like, not at all, really. Like, what, like at the Possibly. end of the day, their league offseason gets put online. I mean, it's like, you know, it's affecting it a little bit, but it's, it's not really like affecting the games at all, and maybe there's no fans, but we're hearing that there's going to be crowd noise, so the NFL right. players will have the semblance of crowd noise. The NFL players shouldn't be looking in the stands anyways. If they hear the noise, if they hear the ambiance, that should suffice. So if we get to that point, there's really not a huge difference in what the right. NFL is going through compared to what Major League Baseball is going through. So the NFL is fortunate. Major League Baseball isn't. No one's going to cry. No one's going to cry for Major League Baseball. They're not going to figure out a way to just get through it. And unfortunately, we're going through a spat on Twitter right now with all of our co-hosts and all of our uh, fellow Sports group people, mm -hmm. they're all going back and forth and giving their opinions on what Blake Snell said this morning. It is a hot-button topic. We talked mm -hmm. about it at length on the morning after. We're going to continue to talk about it because at the end of the day, Dane, at the end of the day, how the players feel about playing is a big factor in this. And like the NBA, it seems like it's a mob mentality of right. LeBron and the big boys. That's what I was talking about, the play. super delegates. Yeah, they're, they want to play, so everyone has to mm -hmm. fall in line. I'm curious if Blake Snell's opinions is a widespread opinion or is it just a negotiating ploy to try to get the owners to pony up more dough? If you asked man-to-man -man how many players would want to come back and play, we'll see. Maybe, maybe there's less people in the Blake Snell category than we think. I don't know. But Blake we'll Snell see. was very obvious with how he, with how he felt about it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And remember, I think this is just the opening salvo in a, you know, in a negotiation. 
Okay, and I do think the players will come back with a proposal, and I think it's going to have more games in it so they can get the numerator to look a little bit better on that pro rating of salaries. But we'll talk about it as it happens, of course, right here on Sports Grid. Getting back onto the field, or players that will be on the field, hopefully, in a few months. We're talking about the NFL. Um, some news and notes that are interesting to me, Jared. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are clearly in the market for a veteran running back, okay? We know that Jordan Howard, who was there, is now down there in Miami. They have Miles Sanders, former Nittany Lion, so I know you like this. But in consecutive days over the course of the week last week, we heard um, that Carlos Hyde may be talking to the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, he's one of these running backs that are still out there. I've been talking about them for a while. Hyde, who had 1,000 yards last year, so that could be an option. And then what do you know? The next day, Shady McCoy there comes out go. and says, yeah, maybe I want to find my way back to Philly. So I have a series of questions for you, Jared, because you've been my GM before. If both of those guys are out there and money is the same, which is better? Which is a better option for the Philadelphia Eagles? And then my part B is, you know, uh, Miles Sanders has a season-long prop bet on FanDuel. And one thing I know is that the Eagles are definitely in this market. So could you get ahead of it and maybe lean under for Miles Sanders, given the fact that it looks like they're looking to bring someone in who will ultimately eat into Miles Sanders' production, right? Yeah, I haven't really given much thought to the Eagles running back situation. I will say this. Miles Sanders had a great year. Yeah. He had a great year. So maybe a little fade I mean, I there still isn't a bad idea. There, right? There's still maybe Darren Sproles wanting to go at it, but there's no Howard. And the question is, how much of the emergence of Miles Sanders is compromised by bringing in one of these vets? I think it's compromised a little bit because I do okay. think Miles Sanders in general is not a full of a three down back. I, I don't know if I would put I don't know if I'd put Sanders in that category of a workhorse type of situation. Okay. I think he's better as a change of pace. And I think that's okay. why he was better last season. And I know right. at the end of the year he, kinda, he came on. Yeah, he came on and they kind of gave him a little more run there. I, Sanders to me, I'm a little concerned with Sanders' durability. That was a concern to Penn State. Um I, I don't know if I would go over on Sanders. I, I, I would have to do a lot more research on so him. So staring and, at it right also, now, we're talking about 1,500 yards as the number. Is for, it's rushing and receiving. It's rushing right? and receiving, and the number technically is 1,499 and a half. But that's a high total, especially if you're Very not high total. a workhorse Very back. high total. And Biden's sending the signal that they're going to bring in someone of that. I, he had 50 receptions that last number. season. He, had he only had 1,300 yards last season. He played in total? 16 games. Yeah. 800 rushing, 500 receiving. So, so you're telling me that he's going to do – you're telling me that he's going to have a better year than last year? I don't think so. I'm not buying that. I, I leaned under on the number anyways. Now that I've seen those stats, I would definitely go under there. And remember, at the end of last season, when Sanders was doing work – and don't get me wrong, he emerged. He helped teams in their fantasy playoffs. But that was also when – the Eagles had no wide receivers left. You know what I mean? There's other guys who will command touches and targets and the ball that are going to be back in the picture. And so I wonder if I would also lean under on Miles Sanders. Getting back to the essential question, though, are you more Team Shady or Team Hyde? I, I like Hyde. Hyde's younger. Okay. Yeah, Hyde, Hyde's been better. Something about Ohio State running backs have been really high on the last few years. I don't right. know. Okay. Maybe it's Zeke. I really like Dobbins a lot. Like and and that's saying and that's saying something for me because I, I can't stand Ohio State normally. So 
the fact that I'm really high on some of these Ohio State backs, uh, I guess, is is a is a mark of confidence on them. So I'll go with the Ohio State theme there. I do like Shady McCoy a lot. It'd be fun to see a reunion in Philly. I don't know if that that doesn't make sense to me. I, I think if you bring in a guy that you want to like, to me, Shady fits in better with a three pronged approach. I, I think so. I, I don't think Shady can be the two. Shady's the three at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. I think Hyde can be the two. It's All almost right. like weird. It's almost like we're it's almost like we're handicapping running backs like a rotation now. Like you it have is. to have a three man rotation. That's what I said. Yeah, Remember what was my biggest takeaway on draft night? I said yeah. it live on draft night. I said we're moving from an RBBC to an RBB three, and I said it as soon as. <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. There were these these front end running backs baby, going into draft. B's. In finance, you want to stay away from the triple Bs. Those are True. the crap bonds that you don't want to buy. The triple I, Bs. I was surprised in the draft where the top end running backs coming in, you know, the Taylors, the Swifts, I thought they were going to go to teams that wanted a workhorse back, but they didn't. They went to teams that already had a back or two. Yeah. And I think that is what's in vogue. And we've been seeing it, whether it's New England, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Kansas City, good teams now have that rotation. And it's not just, remember, Jared, it used to be thunder and lightning kind of the idea, that timeshare. It's getting more complicated. And I think that severely handicaps fantasy owners to figure out which element of the running back herd is the right guy. I know that you saw some interesting things on Tom Brady and ultimately the Patriots quarterback situation. And you're trying to read the tea leaves on that one, Jared. Yes. The tea leaves on the Patriots quarterback situation is a little bit strange. So the thing I want to make note about the Patriots situation this season, we talked about it on TMA a little bit earlier this week. So the Patriots have this situation where they actually have a relatively easy schedule against pass defenses this year, Mm. which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Uh, They're ranked, so eight of the Patriots' 16 opponents are ranked 18th or lower in pass defense from their last season numbers, defensive pass efficiency. That's kind of the uh, analytical number we use to grade pass defenses. So 18th DVOA or lower. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That means that they are facing a pretty decent— a lot of soft spots in the defense they're facing. Now, they still face Baltimore sure. and San Francisco and Kansas City and Buffalo that have top five units, but Jets, 18th. Broncos, 14th. Seattle, 15th. And Chargers, this is last 20th. Year, though, Jared, Las Vegas, 30th. La- These are last year's numbers, okay. and they could change, and that's why you've got to take it with a grain of sand. Right. And that's why I'm very fascinated with Belichick's think thought process here. Yeah. Because right now, what he's telling you is there's really no way to know what kind of situation we're going to be in with these quarterbacks. But he's still kind of throwing caution to the wind and is like, you know what? I don't care. These right. are these are our guys. Stidham's minus 500 right now to start the year in New England as week as the week one starter. Yep. I mean, that's a pretty definitive edge. I mean, yeah, it's going to you know it. it it's going to happen. happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. It really is. Uh, I, and again, I, I think overall, at what point do you get to that stage that he hasn't won? They've got two tough games early at Seattle, at Kansas City, two out of their first four games. No no cupcakes there. There's a decent chance that the Patriots are two and three heading into yeah. that bye week in week five. And if they are, what, I mean, it, and is that okay? And that's what I'm asking. As a Patriots fan, right. I know they expect greatness. Right. But as the organization, like, do you think Robert Kraft's just like, hey, whatever you want, Bill? Or do you think he's having some input here? Because to us, as educated sports investors, mm-hmm. the Patriots look to be set up for failure with this quarterback. Right. Room. I believe the Patriots 
have the worst talent at the skill positions in the entire division. Um, and that includes Miami. That includes the Bills. I think every other team in the division has more talent outside and at the running back position that moves the needle um, than the Patriots. You know, you can make the argument that they have the worst quarterback in the division. You can make the argument they have the worst receiver group in the division. I mean, Julian Edelman, okay, but he was a real Tom Brady kind of guy. Sony Michelle is their lead back. I think there's better lead backs in the division, whether it's Singletary, Le'Veon Bell. So I understand. We'll talk about this because I have some thoughts about the Patriots moving forward as well. We have uh, just a couple of seconds. We're going to take a last commercial break. When we come back, let's play this out. What the hell are the Patriots doing? And then there was another signing that I think could impact some uh, long-range props as well. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It's Dane and Jared in Game Live giving you the edge right here on Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search. 
to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back into In Game Live here on SportsGrid. And we've been, you know, touring the news of the NFL, giving leans for the UFC, wondering if everyone will play nice in the Major League Baseball sandbox. Always stuff to discuss here on SportsGrid, Jared. It don't matter if live team sports are happening in this country or not. We will find ways to get you paid. Right, Jared? Yeah, and, and again, that's what I've been scouring the markets. And, yep. and you know, we've got guys like Yanni that come on and give us great picks and you know, we, we we dabble with some other leagues and the KBO I'm having some fun with. But I think overall, yeah, I think overall we're starting to see a step towards normalcy. Bundesliga this weekend. Yeah. EPL coming up in a couple weeks. Golf coming back. Mm-hmm. We've got the NBA talking about a return. I mean, in general, hockey, right. I think, is definitely going to come back as well. We're going to have a Stanley Cup champion in some capacity. Yeah. If Major League Baseball doesn't want to participate in that. Well, then the players and, and, and the teams are going to – and, again, it's it's kind of funny because as much as I love Major League Baseball and as much as I love betting on the Yankees and all these teams, life goes on. If Major League Baseball can't right. come to an agreement, 1994, people were done with baseball. They, they right. couldn't stand it. They wanted nothing to do with it, and it really wasn't that popular until that night – that 90 – McGuire and Sosa. Home, exactly. It was a it was a middle it was like the NHL. The NHL had the yeah. same issues as well. The NHL had a great I believe it was the either the Carolina Hurricanes or the or the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup and in the year after they had the strike. And people really kind of gave up on the NHL. They lost their rights with ESPN. ESPN moved on. We used to see hockey on ESPN all the time. The the world moves on. And if yeah, Major absolutely. League Baseball wants to quabble about a few pennies, the world will move on. And we will have other sports to bet on. Trust me. You think those players aren't going to be happy about going and watching the KBO? They will. I bet the KBO is thrilled about this. Bring it on, baby. Bring on the bat flips. It's interesting because we've talked about whether it's the Arkansas Derby or the NFL draft or whatever it is. The sports investor, the sports fan is hungry right now, right? And relatively speaking, if you're the only game in town, people will take advantage of it. 
if Major League Baseball screws the pooch on this, it will be such a missed opportunity to come on back and grab the attention span again of the sports fan. But I digress. We were talking a little bit about some news and notes in the NFL. We talked about the Philly running back situation. And, you know, we go back to New England because as these quarterbacks come off the board, you know, Jameis Winston has signed, Andy Dalton has signed. And for all of these quarterbacks, we think that New England could still be a place, right? We had the conversation, Jared, that – Jacksonville is not fishing in that pond. They went and signed Mike Glennon, and you and I had the conversation, I believe, last week about how that signals to us that they were tanking, right? We thought they were tanking. And so to be quite honest, there's only one team left, in my opinion, that still has a legitimate need for a quarterback, and that's New England. But everything we hear is that Bill Belichick is ready to go at it with Jared Stidham. And he's done this before, Jared. We've seen it. He turned Jacoby Brissett into a quarterback who could win quarterbacks in this league. Matt Castle, Jimmy Garoppolo, and others. So we were talking about what are the Pats actually doing? I'm going to tell you what I think, Jared. I think they are going to go at it with Jared Stidham. I think Belichick, Kraft, they've earned enough leash to try to have this year play out. This year is going to go one of two ways. Either Jared Stidham is the guy, and in that universe, they're a contender again. The ship keeps rolling. It's Belichick's greatest coaching job all time. And, like, maybe they take a small step back, but they're still kind of humming along right where they are. I believe that's the case if they go 9-7 and or better. If they make the playoffs, they just keep going, right? So the dividing line for you is 9-7? and Yeah. Let's call it it's that. It's funny because it, the total's nine and there's juice right. to the under. And and the juice to the under is a little bit intriguing to me because usually the Patriots are always an overjuice team. Correct. They're always a te- – so the fact that there's juice to the under on a total that's relatively low to begin with, nine, I think that's kind of telling you how the overall marketplace feels right. about New England's quarterback decisions. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the marketplace. I'm talking about the way that the Patriots are going to play this out. Like the behind closed doors conversation that Belichick and Kraft are having, you know, and for me, it's like option A, Stitham performs, excels. He is our guy in that universe. They win nine plus games. They just keep on rolling. okay? and they do what they need to do. They got a ton of draft picks, what have you. Option B, Jared Stitham defecates the mattress. And I think (laughs) in that scenario where the Patriots go 6-10, or there is a problem, at least, Jared, and we've talked about this, you either, it's a race away from the middle, right? You either know you have your guy, know you don't, or are in between. I think Kraft has given Belichick to, hey, wink, wink, nod, nod, take this year to know if we have our guy or not. You usually put the GM hat on me. I'm putting the GM hat on you. Yep. So... Let's say the Patriots are that middling team this year. Eight sure, eight. they go eight Let's eight. say they pick sure. 15th in the draft, right yep. in the middle. Is that going to help you get a quarterback next year? Yeah, but here's Usually the thing, Jared. Usually it's one extreme or the other, right? Yep. But, again, how in this year, outside of the draft, there were other options, right? There was James There's Winston not that many options outside of the draft, I think, next year. I disagree with you. Okay. I think there's two. And I think there's two big-time options. That'll happen. I think there's actually more than two. Uh, one of them is named Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my God. Okay, like, listen, I know you've been playing this out, right? And you've been saying maybe he's not there next year. So maybe the I believe 
that the Patriots see opportunity a year from now if they need to make a change. Aaron Rodgers could be one. I'll give you another one. Deshaun Watson. Okay, this is a guy in the last year of his deal, and there's all sorts of acrimony. We're hearing Bill O'Brien. He doesn't want to resign. There's a universe where Deshaun Watson is out there next year. Okay, and I think the Patriots are kind of riding the fence, and they're going to see what they have this year. I believe Belichick has earned the right to give it a shot. He's developed people like Brissett, Castle, Garoppolo, right? If it works out, great. If it doesn't, I think there's multiple pools for there to fish in, right? They could bring Jacoby Brissett back if they want. We've been talking about the Raiders quarterbacks. Maybe you got like Carr is out there. Okay, I think there's multiple opportunities. Jameis Winston could be out there. I think they play the game and see what they've got. If they like what they've got, cool. If not, maybe they use their draft capital. Maybe they trade up. Maybe we're talking about a Justin Fields. Maybe we're talking about a Trey Lance. But maybe... We're talking about a Deshaun Watson. Maybe mm. we're talking about, you know, a Cam Newton, but not now, but a year from now. That's the way I think it's going to play out. And I think Belichick and Kraft have agreed to uh, let it play out this year and see where the chips fall. I got to pull up Spot Track and I got to see what what what's Wat- Watson's an Watch interesting Watson. one. Watch Watson. Because I think I, I, I think Watson is a I guy that's probably with Houston and Bill O'Brien. I, I don't. Here's why I don't. Here's why I don't see Rodgers working. Because Fair. I, I I think Rodgers is too established of a name. That's whereas fine. Belichick is going to ask for a lot of control over workouts and, and routine. And they're going to have options a year from now. Watson is still young, so he's making 17 million next year, mm-hmm. and then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2022. But you still have that stopgap next year, and that. You know, but do the Texans say we're going to trade Watson? I I can't see that happening. Um, Andy Jackson got released with one year in his deal. Jameis Winston got released. Yeah, but you can't really compare Winston to Watson, right? Like Watson has so much upside at this stage of his career based on what he's done, where Winston's almost a project at this point. I listen. I I I have always been under the impression that Belichick's got some ace up his sleeve that we haven't seen yet. That's right. And and I'm waiting for him to pull it out. And he hasn't done it yet. I was I was convinced. I was convinced he was going to do something the night of the draft. And he didn't. Then I was convinced it was going to be Cam. And it's not. And, I, so and now, I mean, what? there's no other options. It's going to be Stidham. It's going to be Hoyer. But my question is, there's no way that that's the plan. There's oh, another variable here that we're not privy to. You're right. You're right. And... As I get names, Watson, Rogers, Brissett, whoever, you can easily tear apart that one individual suggestion, right? But if you take a step back, I do believe that's the ace up the sleeve a year from now, Jared. I don't think think it's a draft situation because usually what they've done in the past is they've built it through the draft. It could be. I think they will have options. Remember, there's also Jacoby Brissett lurking, right? Who is yeah, a that's another that weird situation. About. I think that could be the ace up the sleeve. But in general, I think, to use your term, the ace up the sleeve is that they're willing to play this out and then shop for the aces next year. I believe they're okay taking this little mini reset. One of the players, though, who Belichick has developed is Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And you were telling me that you're seeing some inklings where you have some leans on Jimmy G reading some tea leaves about where he may be 
more prolific than last year? So Jimmy Garoppolo continues to be one of the best statistical quarterbacks we've seen over the last five years in terms of his winning percentage, in terms of his completion percentage. 70% last season, he threw for almost 4,000 yards in an offense that was what I would say predominantly a running offense. Well, my guess is they're going to give, and this was Jimmy G's first full season at the helm. It was his first full season recovering from the ACL. It was his first full season with Kyle Shanahan as head coach. Now, offseason, Super Bowl drive. He, they were 10 minutes away. They couldn't get over the hump. So there's a little more motivation for the Niners. I'm not buying the Super Bowl hangover for San Francisco. I'm not buying that at all. They're too deep. They're too talented. So then you get into the statistical part of where this 49ers offense could stack up in 2020. And initially, the, the, the public perception is they are a running offense first. Right. Not so fast, my friend. Let me tell you Lee some Corso of these numbers. In the Lee Corso's in the building. These numbers are pretty staggering. So if you look at his first eight games last season, 28.2 attempts, 225 passing yards per game. I would say that's pretty below average for a quarterback. It is. And if you look at that in the glimpse of what the Niners were trying to do, they weren't throwing it that much, and they weren't getting that many yards. Well, then teams started to get keen on the running game, and then the Niners started to adjust. And what happened in the back half? In the arm of Jimmy G. 31 passing attempts a game, 271 passing yards per game. If he can get to almost 4,000 yards under those numbers, right. I see no reason why after a full off season continues to get stronger sure. in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Yes, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. They got Brandon Ayuk. No changes really to the offensive line. They replaced one Hall of Famer, Joe Staley, yeah. with another one in right. Trent Williams. I don't know if they're Hall of Famers, but they're Pro Bowlers. And, and you continue to build on what Jimmy G is doing as the trigger man in what I think is the deepest and most efficient offense in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes has the flash. Lamar Jackson has the grind and the running game. I think the 49ers offense is like it's run like a German train schedule. It's so efficient. And yeah, I think this total of 3,900 yards, passing yards prop for Jimmy G is low. I think he easily gets the 4,000. The first individual prop that I made in the NFL this offseason, Jimmy G, over 38.99 and a half passing yards on FanDuel. Book it for me right now, Dan. All right, and that'll wrap up an edition of In-Game Live. It looks like defense may force Jimmy G to beat them, and this is a way to take advantage. We'll come back tomorrow and give you more leans and plays. For Jared, I'm Dane. This is In-Game Live right here on SportsGrid. We'll see you tomorrow. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? 
You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? 
We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 